Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Listen, you're not a bad person if you continue to fall into the same ruts. You can genuinely love God, but if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you might find yourself doing something that you never wanted to do. Because time and place matter. The people we hang with are often the ones that shape the habits that we have. It doesn't take a study to prove this. Long before there were any studies, Solomon said this in Proverbs 13 and 20. He says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm, shall be destroyed. still standing go with me if you would judges chapter 16 and uh, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 judges 16 I've got to learn to put this cough drop in a whole lot earlier (laughs) judges 16 and 1 And uh, I'm going to read it from the NIV version, uh, but follow along with me. The Bible says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a harlot, and he went in to spend the night. And the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. And they made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we will kill him. At dawn, we will kill him. Uh, and I just want to talk to us on the next little bit on this on this title, one day at a time, one day at a time. And you may be seated this morning. Thank you so much. If you're new with us this morning, the past couple of weeks, um, we've been talking about um, small choices, small decisions, small disciplines in our lives. Um, we've been talking about habits trying to make some small changes in our life that lead to big results and and major differences down the road whether that be in the positive or in the negative that's completely up to the small decisions and the small disciplines that we make today and I'm gonna kind of wrap up this this thought this morning uh, of where we've been at the past couple of weeks uh, I'll probably highlight a few things that you've heard already uh, one of the thoughts that we've discussed on both Sundays, the past couple Sundays, and I think that it speaks volumes um, to, to this time of year, matter of fact, just at, at all times, and it was kind of eye-opening whenever I first uh, read the statement, um, and that's this, that almost everybody has similar goals. Almost everybody has similar goals, and I've ne- I never thought about that before. If I were to sit down with all of you in this room this morning um, and I were to ask you, hey, what are your goals this year? A lot of us would say the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, We would all have very similar goals. If I would ask you, what do you want to accomplish this year? Most of you would say some form of the same thing. You, you want to be in good health or you want to have great relationships or if you're a Christian you want to be closer to God this year and you want to make a difference in this world and you want to 
You want to be generous. You want to be financially strong. Um, I don't know anybody who would state a negative goal. All right. I, I don't know anybody who would say, you know what? My lifetime goal, Bryce, is to always struggle. My, my lifetime goal is, is I always, I, I, financially, spiritually, relationally, I just want to struggle. I just really want to make the ends meet. I want to, I want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't know if anybody's going to state that 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 goal. I can't imagine anyone saying, you know what, I have a goal of being the unhealthiest I've ever been in 2020. All right. I hope you wouldn't say that. I can't imagine anyone saying that. I can't, I can't visualize somebody saying I have a five-year goal of becoming a raging addict. Like if I could just get addicted to something this year, in five years, I want to be a raging, or by the end of this year, I want to be so addicted to someone that I'll lose my marriage, I'll lose my children, and I'll hurt the most people or the people that I most love. Wouldn't that be amazing? I can't imagine, Sister Joanne, anybody having that type of mindset. Nobody does that. I don't know who, I don't know anybody who says, you know what, I, I want, let's tone it down a little bit. What, I don't know anybody that would say, I, I want to work for years and years and years at a dead end job for something that I don't care about. I, and I want to live a, a passionless life. I want to get toward the end of my life and say, I didn't really accomplish anything. But one thing I do have is regrets. I don't think anybody would want that in, in life, for their life, for anybody's life. I don't know anybody who wants to end up like that. And what's so crazy interesting to me when I think about it is there's almost nobody that ruins their life because of one really bad decision. Maybe a few. But the vast majority of people don't ruin their lives because of one really dumb decision. The vast majority of people ruin their lives one small decision, one bad step, one bad habit, one day at a time. Over a series of years, they end up in a really bad place. And here's what people do. They will summarize a lifetime of bad decisions in one sentence. Have you ever noticed this before? That someone will summarize a whole decade of bad decisions. They'll say, yeah, he, he was really irresponsible. So he eventually the company fired him, but he didn't get fired because of one bad decision. It was a series of bad decisions, but they'll summarize the whole situation in one sentence. They'll summarize a season of bad decisions with one sentence, but it's rarely ever just one event. They'll summarize statements of people's lives. And if you'll, if you'll read your Bibles with, with that in mind, you'll find these summary statements all over the Word of God. To me, one of the most profound ones is found in Judges 16 and 1, and it summarizes what became a series of bad decisions for Samson. Real quick, if there was any guy 
uh, any person that was born with incredible potential that was given to him by God. It was Samson. And yet, because of one bad decision, one step, one bad habit, one day at a time, he ended up in a life that completely fell apart. Judges 16 and 1 is a summary sentence that says one day, everybody say one day, one day, one day Samson went to Gaza and saw there in Harland. One sentence summarizes the beginning of the trajectory downward for the life of this man that was incredibly gifted by God. One day, Samson went down to Gaza where he saw a harlot. If you do a little search on the uh, geography of this journey from Gaza to Samson's hometown of Zor, you'll find that it is a 25-mile journey. Gaza was the Philistine headquarter where Samson was public enemy number one. And in order to go into Gaza was to put his own life at risk. What we know about this time, when Sam, the time that Samson lived, is we can, we're, we're, we're almost 100% positive there was no Uber. Okay? I mean, this, we're still out on the search, but we're, we're fairly certain there was no taxis. All right? There was no Uber. And so uh, what we are thinking happened, perhaps one option was that Samson might have walked 25 miles. I can remember a day being so young and parents were so busy, didn't want to take Bryce somewhere, bicycle, flat tires. You know what took me there? Tom and Jerry, my left foot and my right foot, and we walked. Somebody remember those days? I know this is the generation you walked up hill to school both ways. To school and home in the snow. They just didn't have snow days back then, I guess. You went to school. And church. Praise God. Samson walked 25 miles into enemy territory. To see a harlot. He walked 25 miles into a territory, into a place that could kill him, all for a sinful desire. And I ask myself, who does that? Who walks completely out of their way into hostile territory, into a place that could cost them their own life, into a place where they are surrounded by not friend but foe? Who does that? And the answer is people do it every single day. They do it every single day. Do you know how many steps it takes to go 25 miles? I did the math on this. It's approximately 52,800 steps. I would submit to you this morning that Samson did not ruin his life all at one time. 
But yet in that instance, he took 52,800 steps in a direction that would begin a life of spiraling downward and out of control. You see, here's the deal. Most of us don't wreck our lives all at once, but how do we do it? We do it one bad step, one wrong step, one bad habit, one day at a time. One day at a time. And that's why we're talking about what we're talking about. That's why we're dealing with habits right here, January 2020. We're dealing with small decisions and small disciplines in our lives because those things really do matter. They really do matter. If you were with us in the first week, we started with the idea of who before do. Who do we want to be before or any of that? Before we talk about the habits that we want to do, let's talk about who we want to become. Who do you want to become? Or rather, who does God want you to become? Who are you supposed to be? Last week, we answered the question based on who you want to become. What one habit do you need to start? What one habit do you need to start right now that would propel you in that direction? All right. What one habit? Start with the who, then what one habit do you need to start to become who you want to be or to become who God wants you to be? And today we're going to add the last layer to it. And that is this. Here's the question. Based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to break? What one habit do you need to break? What one habit is unhealthy, maybe unhelpful, perhaps ungodly, that's taking you in a direction that ultimately you really don't want to go? What one habit based on who do you want to become do you need to break? And hopefully it's not the one habit you stated last week that you need to start. (laughs) But it might be. What one habit do you need to break to ultimately get you to where you want to go? I like what James said about filthy habits in James 1.21. He says this, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You know what he's saying about filthy habits? You know what he's saying about bad habits? He's saying, get rid of them. Lay them aside. Lay them apart. Get rid of them. Get them out there. Get rid of the every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Here's the deal. You're not going to do it on your own. So what you're going to do, you're going to submit yourself to God and accept the word that he plants in your heart, which is able to save you. So with that, what one habit do you need to rid yourself of to become the person, to become the man or woman that God wants you to become? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we talk about how, I want to talk about what. I want to talk about what. What is the one habit that you need to break? And hear me right now. We must acknowledge the habit, the thing, whatever it is. We must acknowledge it if we want to redefine it. 
or define it in general. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. All right? What is the, what is the one for you? What is the one thing? What is the one habit? We're not talking about, you know, some of you might say, well, Bryce, I've got, I've got 31 habits that I need to break. I've got a list. I'm not talking about 31. Don't do 31. If you set out to do 31, you'll do zero. What's your one? What's your one thing that you want to break? And it could be anything. You you may have a you may have a uh, uh, you, you may have a problem with a bad attitude. You might have a uh, you're always complaining all the time, negative, whatever. Uh, it, it could be any of things. I don't want to get into a list of things. We could be here all day. Uh, it, it, you know, it could be uh, you know we talk about health wise. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's uh, if we're being honest, maybe we eat too much sugar. <laughs> I know my kids sometimes do. Maybe we eat too much chocolate, if there, if that is such a thing. Um, maybe we eat too many snacks. Maybe it's an eating issue. I don't know. It could be a technology addiction. All right. It, it, you know, when you think about technology, it's all, it's all fun and games, um, until it's not like we got this, but it's got us, right? And now it's taking over our life and it's hurting our relationships and it's a little bit out of control. Maybe it's social media. It could be social media. I mean, with the, with the culture and society that we're in, it could be social media. Scroll, 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 click, click, click. Scroll, 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 click, like, heart, click. Scroll, scroll, scroll. It could be that. Maybe it's just your mobile device in general. You know, it's like you can't be away from the thing. If, if, if like you had to hand it to somebody, you get severe anxiety. Like, when am I getting it back? You know? For Apple, I, I love what Apple uh, started doing. They started, they, they send me an update every Sunday on screen time. And what's a, it's not just the amount of time that I'm on the screen, but it's the amount of times I pick up my phone. How many times I touch my phone in one week. And after seeing some of the reports, I'm like, get out of here. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It's always a joy to, to, to see on Sunday, it says, hey, here's your report detail uh, this morning, and your screen time has dropped 16%. That's a good thing. Mine actually went up because I started reading the Bible more on, on my phone. I'm not trying to sound all super spiritual or anything like that, but I'm just telling you what it is. It's a true story. All right. But it could be your mobile device because it, it, it's a part of you and you have to hear me. You got to check it nonstop. And you're, you're waiting. <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting there and I, I see this a lot and I, I guard this in, in, in with myself personally because I don't want to get to the place where I'm wasting my life looking at a screen. I don't want to waste my life. All right. Based on who you want to become. What one habit do you need to break? Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about why that is difficult. Because if we understand why it is difficult, it kind of gives us insight into how to do it. How do we break this one habit? Have you ever noticed there's a difference between why a good habit is difficult to start and a bad habit is difficult to break? You ever noticed that before? For example, 
A good habit is challenging at first. And then the payoff, the win, the reward is somewhere in the future, right? All right. Have you, have you noticed that? All right. For example, you want to, you, you, you want to start jogging. All right. So in the morning, you're going to get up. You're going to, I'm a jogger today. I want to be a jogger this week and I'm going to, I'm getting myself in gear. And so you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off. You're like, ah, it's so early. I don't want to do this, but you know what? You've already said, I'm going to be a jogger. So, so you, you put your stuff on like this is going to be great and you go out and it's not great. It's cold. It's spitting rain in your face and your body is aching and you stare back at your warm bed and it's like, come and get me. And, and but you're like, no, I'm a jogger and I'm going to get out and I'm going to start doing this. And all of a sudden you do it for a while and you see no payoff. You see no reward. And you, the deal is you have to do it for a consistent time. And then all of a sudden, several months later, you, you step on the scale. You're like, oh my goodness, I dropped 10 pounds. But the reward was in the future. The reward was out there. See, Brother Hogan, we're all, we're all about six minute abs, right? We want abs in six minutes. And so we buy the book and we're like, I'm going to do this six minutes. No abs. It's no such thing, right? <laughs> Frustrated. It's difficult at first, and the payoff is somewhere out in the future. You decide, how about this? You decide you're going to be plugged in uh, to church. You're going to be plugged into the house of God. You're going to get involved with church. You're going you're go, you're 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 to make church a priority. You're not, I'm not just going to come to church, but I'm going to get involved in church. It's difficult at first. Oh, I got to get up. I got to be there early, or I got to go to prayer. I got to get up and serve. And you really don't see an initial payoff. And then a year later, you're waking up going, I had no idea I could be this close to God. I had no idea I could know God on this level. I had no idea. And all of a sudden, I've got supernatural peace, and his word is dwelling in me, and I'm being conformed to the image of Christ, and I've got amazing friends, and life is great. I've got people that love me and care for me and will support me, and we're doing life together. You get to the point, you, you wake up one day and I'm using my gifts to make a difference. It didn't happen after two weeks. It took some time. It's difficult at first and the payoff is in the future. Bad habits, though, are the opposite, right? There's a, there's a, a perceived benefit immediately with bad habits. It's, it's, it's fun to do what's wrong at first. It's fun. Sin can be fun. Would you raise your hand and agree with that? Maybe someone's like, no, I'm not raising my hand and saying sin is fun. I saw something. If, if you don't think so, either you're, you're doing it wrong or you're lying. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> it can be fun and then it's not. You know what? It messes you up. It wrecks your life. 
Sin ultimately destroys your life, all right? But in the beginning, it could be fun. There's a perceived benefit, but the negative payoff isn't until the future, all right? For example, uh, I, I can remember growing up and going to school. I didn't smoke cigarettes, but I can remember being around people that smoked cigarettes. And, and, and over in Peneville, it's called the, the rail, the railers, all right? They would go out and smoke at the rail. And it would be, they were like the postmen. I, it was as rain, sleet, or snow. We are out there smoking our cigarettes because there was something about it that we got joy from. It relaxed us. I don't know what the thrill is because I never smoked a cigarette. And I don't know what the feel good is but some people are like it does feel good or it makes me relax there is a perceived benefit in the beginning it isn't until years later that you hear the bad news about your lungs years later there's a perceived benefit for a little while and a negative payoff isn't until later. And understanding that will help us to know how we break a bad habit. If a good habit is difficult at first, what do we do? What do we do, Bryce? If we can't see the reward in the future and it's so difficult at first, what do we do? Last week we talked about this. We talked about how we want to make it easy and we want to make it obvious. All right, you want to read a book, you want to become a reader, lay your book on your pillow in the morning, then at night it triggers you, hey, I'm going to read this book as I'm laying down. You set something out, you set something, you know, you, we, do, we don't set with the bag of candy bars in the front part of the fridge. When we open it up, bingo, there it is. That's what we're grabbing. No, 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 we're going to set the celery and the carrot sticks right there, right? We're going to make it really easy and we're going to make it really obvious, all right? That's what we talked about last week. So what we're going to do, on the other hand, with the bad habit, it looks appealing in the shorthand. What we're going to do is we're going to make it difficult. Everybody say difficult. Difficult. We're going to make it really, really hard to do the bad habit because we only have so much willpower. There's only so much that can go around. Just like your ability to make decisions wanes as you make decisions, just like your energy depletes as you exert energy, so does your willpower. All right? And you know it because you can fight certain things for a while and then you get tired of fighting it off. I don't know if that's you, but that can be me for sure. Maybe you're trying to eat good and they bring your favorite donuts into the office. If you're the donut delivery person, stop it, right? You know, it's like they bring him, and you know it, the devil is a liar, because as soon as you set out and I'm going to make these changes, you're rolling up to work Monday morning and you're looking at a fresh two dozen or so donuts right there straight off the press and the first time you walk by them with confidence power and victory in the name of Jesus you're like I rebuke you and I'm just going to walk past and I'm not going to have a donut and then the second time you walk by oh man first time I can do all things through Christ then, <laughs> 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 
You know, you walk by and you're thinking, who eats donuts? Only losers eat donuts. You know, you've got that willpower in the beginning. The second time you walk by, you look at him and you say, hmm, I praise God for what I'm not going to eat there. I praise God for not what I'm going to do. I don't even need that. And the third time you walk by him, you just kind of touch him. You just, you just touch them just to see what, is it, what does it feel like. <laughs> is, it, is it soft? Is it fluffy? There, you know, and you say, I thank you, God, that this, I, I'm touching. I thank you, God, this has no power over me today. <laughs> then, you, then you go back to you smell it and you think, I don't need this. I, I, I don't need this. Uh, and then all of a sudden you eat half of one. You ever go to a buffet and there's half of something missing? Look for my (laughs) mother-in-law. I'll never forget going to a Chinese buffet and her plate, I didn't even know, it was like a bite of this and a bite of that and a bite of that. I said, you're going to eat something that's going to be so good, you don't even know what it was. Because there's no more on your plate. So back to the donuts. All of a sudden, you eat half of one, and then you wait seven minutes, and you eat the other half. Because two halves don't equal a whole if you wait the seven minutes. You still just only ate half. Somebody said, praise the Lord for that. Because... (laughs) It's not a hole if you have seven minutes in between. That's just the rules. That's just the food rules around here. And then all of a sudden, once you lose your donut pureness, all right, (laughs) then all of a sudden you eat three, then four, then five, because I already ate one, so I might as well eat more. (laughs) The diet starts on Monday. Today is Monday. Next Monday. Oh, boy, I'm never getting through this lesson. <laughs> I, I think I'm in a safe space. I'm not, the, I'm not the only one that has a hard time walking by donuts. What we're going to do is we're going to make it difficult to do, though. All right? I love the way that Solomon phrased it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 about anything that's tempting, anything that is evil. I love the way that Solomon puts it. What's, what's, he, say, what's he say here? He says this. He, he says, don't set foot on path to donuts. That's basically what he says. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. And the next verse he says, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Don't, don't, don't. He says, turn from it. Go another way. Go your own way. And so that's what we want to do. If we're going to break a bad habit, we're going to avoid it. We're going to turn from it. We're going to travel a different way. We're going to go a different way. What are we, what are we saying? We're saying we're going to make that bad decision, that bad habit really difficult to get around. All right, does that make sense? All right. We're going to make it difficult to do. 
Last week we were talking about the the habit loop and the basically you have the trigger, the action, and the and the reward. This habit loop of how habits are created. I found this little graphic. I thought this was pretty interesting. This is basically uh, kind of how they describe. You have a cue or you have a trigger, then there's an action uh, routine, then the reward, and then back to the trigger, and that's how you form habits o- over time. And, and so. Research shows again and again that every bad habit starts with a, with a trigger. Something that says, oh, this is what, this is what I want to do. And that leads to an action that's followed by a reward, the high, the buzz, the sugar rush, the dopamine, the pleasure, whatever it is. And then it goes to the trigger, action, reward, and such. And so how do we break the bad habit? That's the question. What we're going to try to do is we're going to try to remove the trigger so we can interrupt the action. We're going to remove the trigger so we can interrupt the action. Whatever it is that triggers you in the wrong direction, we're going to try to remove it altogether, and we're going to interrupt the action by doing so. You think about triggers. What, 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 what do you mean by triggers, Bryce? What, here's the deal. We can be triggered by a plethora of different things. We could be triggered uh, into a bad habit or an unhelpful action by all sorts of different things. But studies show there are five major triggers that generally will lead us in the wrong direction. Here's what they are. And you know this because you can be triggered by a place, by a, um, a time, a certain mood, a moment, or people. Five things. A place, a time, a certain mood, a moment, or people. Place, time, mood, moment, people. Here's the deal. There's probably a place where you do the wrong bad habit and you consistently do it over and over again in a similar place. It's a certain place. You probably don't do the bad habit at certain places, you know, at just everywhere. You don't, no, 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 no. For example, nobody goes to the gym and overeats, right? Because that's not the place. The place is somewhere else. You probably don't do those things at those places, but you might overeat at a Super Bowl party. Why? Because it's the place and we are triggered by the place. Does that make sense? And there's also a time. There are certain times that you do or don't do certain things. When might you do it? The question asks. Maybe, maybe late at night when you're mad at your husband or your wife or you're feeling lonely or you feel bored. There's a time and a place that you do certain things. Here's the deal. Time and place really do matter. Time and place really do matter. David in the Old Testament, he made a horrible mistake and you can summarize it by this. Wrong time, wrong place. Wrong time. The, 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 David, wasn't a, David wasn't a bad guy. He genuinely loved God. Listen, you're not a bad person if you continue to fall into the same ruts. You can genuinely love God, but if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you might find yourself doing something that you never wanted to do. Because time and place matter. If you read the story, you don't know it. David, the king who loved God, committed adultery with Bathsheba and ended up having her husband murdered. Why? Wrong place, wrong time. 
If there's that consistent place, that consistent time where you find yourself vulnerable, we're going to try to remove that trigger from our lives. Remove that place. There's also moods. Moods that we go through. Do you ever, do you ever consider yourself to be a moody person? Like that's something that you can easily, we can easily just slip into a bad mood and all of a sudden we're just, we're in a bad mood. There are certain moods that we find ourselves in. Experts tell us that we are most vulnerable when we are hungry, when we are angry, you can really combine those two, uh, lonely or tired. Okay. We've, we've discussed hangry before. That is a legit thing. Um, and it's in these moments. It's in these moments that we have less strength than at other times. When we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely. (laughs) It's in these moments. So what puts us in these moods? Those things right there. It's in these moments that we have less uh, less strength than at other times. You think, oh, I'm in that place. I'm in that time. I'm in that mood where I'm more vulnerable. So what do you do? You remove that trigger. You remove that time and that place. There's these moments, certain moments when something happens after that moment, you end up doing the very thing you didn't want to do. And something happens a moment and it triggers you. It triggers you. You get into a fight. You call, you call up your friends and you, you start to gossip with one another. Because you were angry, you were upset. There are these triggers in our lives, these things that we must remove if we're going to become the people that God wants us to be. And the last thing is this, and it might hurt your feelings, but it's important. People. The people. The wrong people can be triggers that lead us in the wrong direction. Just as the right people can be the triggers that lead us into the right direction. In fact, studies are conclusive that the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to have the same habits as the people close to you. The people we hang with are often the ones that shape the habits that we have. It doesn't take a study to prove this. Long before there were any studies, Solomon said this in Proverbs 13 and 20. He says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm, shall be destroyed. All right. We become like the people that we run around with. This is not rocket science. This is not earth shaking. I look at my close friends. I look at my closest friends and I can tell you with confidence that they are absolute gifts to me. They are absolute treasures to me. They all love Jesus. They are all involved in church. They are all succeeding in some area of their life. They all have good families. Think about this. How much easier is it for me 
to live a life that honors God when I see these kinds of examples that I'm surrounded by. The people in your life, they do matter. Your circle of friends, they do affect you in a positive or a negative way. Think about the flip side as our music comes this morning. If my closest friends and I do have some, and I do have some friends that would fall into this category, if they are not the people uh, that 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 are going to propel me in the right direction, think about this. If my closest friends, all right, are not the people. They're not the ones that support me in prayer. They're not the ones that support me. Imagine if my closest friends were all unemployed or they were all addicts to some degree. Uh, they were they were calling me up every Friday night. Hey, Bryce, you want to come hang out with us down at the local whatever? Hey, Bryce, you want to go to the party with us? Imagine how much more difficult it would be for me to live a God-honoring life that is consistent with uh, 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 with the, with the character and, and the person that God wants me to be. Hear me this morning. It's almost impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong friends. That's right. It's almost impossible. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not still a light to the people. It doesn't mean that we're not friends with all sorts of people. But Paul said it very, very clearly, and kid yourself not. He said, bad company corrupts good character. And he said, do not be misled. You become like the people you hang around. What are we going to do? If you're consistently going in the wrong direction and the people around you are going in the wrong direction, maybe we need to redefine our relationships and who it is we spend our time with. What are we going to do, Bryce? How are we breaking the bad habits? We're looking at the triggers. We're going to remove the triggers. Thus, we interrupt the action. <laughs> How's this play out? Let me give you a real quick example. Let's just get really practical right in the closing moments of this. Some of you all I've heard, you're not going to hit the snooze button anymore. Not going there. Not going to hit it. Okay? Not going to do it. You normally hit it seven times because that's a godly number. <laughs> and so you spend an extra hour and five minutes in bed and you get up in the morning, okay? So what you're gonna do is you're gonna recognize that's, that's your trigger. So just a quick example, you might just take your alarm clock and you might just put it on the other side of the room. That's just a real quick example of how you can remove some triggers that's going to upset the action. I, I, I don't know what your trigger it is. I don't know if it's the alarm clock. I don't know if it's Amazon, click, click, click. How we just, I, I just spent $112. I don't know how I did that. Click, click, swipe, bam, on the front porch. <laughs> You're gonna have to remove some triggers in your life. You might have to delete an app. <laughs> We're going to create.
create good habits in the places of the other ones. When you look at the direction you're going, if you stand with me, if that's not the direction that you want to go, you're going to have to do something significant to stop it. Think about this. The habits that you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. The habits you have today, they're shaping who you become. I ask you, I just simply ask you, do you like that direction? Do you like that person? And if you don't know who that person is, I would just challenge you. Take your habits, take your things that you do and fast forward them. Five. 10, 15 years. Fast forward them into the future and here's what you might say. You, you will say, I had no idea how much this thing was going to cost me. I had no idea how much this thing was going to really set me back. And oh, if I could go back in time and change some things. I never expected to lose this. I never expected to lose that. But if I can do it, if I can go back, here's the deal. You didn't lose it all at once, but you lost it one day at a time. It was one day. One day at a time. So I ask you again, what habit are you going to break? Based on who you want to become, what habit are you going to break? You might say, Bryce, but I feel so weak. Great. Because when you are weak, listen to me, Christ's strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect. And scripture tells me, the scripture tells me, you're never tempted in any way that's uncommon. But oh, our God is faithful. And he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will always give you a way out. Hear me, there's always a way out. Don't feel like you're trapped. Don't feel like you've gone too far. But he has prepared a way of escape for you and I. Think about Samson, 52,800 steps in the wrong direction. It was also 52,800 opportunities to stop and turn around and walk the complete opposite direction. To say this isn't who I want to become, this isn't the life that I want. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do better. Uh, and I just want to tell you, it might seem small and insignificant, but Zachariah said, do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He rejoices at the small things that you decide that you're going to make a change and it's going to be a different. I want you to picture that you have a heavenly father that is rejoicing over your life one day at a time, one step at a time he rejoices greatly do not despise the day of small things would you bow your head close your eyes as they sing this chorus this morning thank you for listening to the landmark apostolic church podcast you can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the landmark family if you are ever in our area our doors are open on sundays at 10 a.m and wednesday at 7 p.m Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.